Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Luke 13. Why do tragedies happen? That's a very fair question. And sometimes you may be tempted to even ask a more specific question of, do tragedies happen to bad people? And really, then you're trying to get into how do I explain when tragic things happen? Now, obviously, the Bible gives us so much on that topic. That's a question Christians don't need to shy away from. But today, we're going to see one specific aspect that should be a part of our thought process as we consider um, the reality of tragedy and how to think in the wake of tragedy. Again, this won't answer all of our questions. We would need to do a full study of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation to do that. But hopefully, as you read through the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you're seeing that. But we're going to see one aspect today, and it, it comes up right at the beginning of Luke 13. It says, there were some present at that very time who told him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. So they are referring to a tragedy. In this case, a human tragedy, a tragedy of injustice, that there were Galileans that Pilate apparently, what does it mean? Blood mingled with their sacrifices. Apparently they were in the temple worshiping and they were murdered by Pilate or under Pilate's command. So this is a horrible travesty. And Jesus responds and he says in verse two, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered in this way? Again, that's a fair question that people may ask. Uh, You look at tragedies today. Well, hey, why, um, you know, why did this shooting happen in this place where these people were sinners? You might be tempted to ask that question. And Jesus gives a response that everybody in the whole world should hear. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So one thing that should be thought in the wake of tragedy is unless you repent, you will likewise perish. If we don't repent, we are headed to a bad end. And then he brings up another tragedy. Or those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them. Uh, Here we're referring not so much to a human tragedy of injustice, but to some kind of accident um, with this tower falling. Were they worse sinners? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Now, to make sense of this, I do think this connects with what we read at the end of chapter 12, where Jesus says, go and settle with your accuser. And really him meaning more than just things of human relationships, that he means get right with God before it's too late. 
And that's really what's getting carried over here into chapter 13. Get right with God before it's too late. Because guess what? You cannot guarantee that you will not befall a tragedy today. Are you right with God? And you need to think about that right now. Have you repented of your sin? Because if you have not, you are not ready for tragedy. You are not ready to perish. But through repentance, what we see, especially in the gospel of Luke, going back to the beginning, we see repentance leads to forgiveness. And that's what we need. We cannot make things right with God on our own, but through repentance and faith in Jesus, he makes us right. And that is the good news of the gospel that you need to believe and that we need to proclaim. And then in chapter six, it carries on a very similar theme here. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, sir, let it alone this year. Also, until I dig around it and put on manure, then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. And here, I think, especially when we think through um, what we talk about often, the aspects of Bible study, where we think then, always, now, what was Jesus saying here? Or what was God saying? And through the human author, he was using to say then in that context to the original audience, what's always true from this. And then now, what, what do I apply from this? Well, if we really want to get into the then, which we do, um, this, it carries on that similar theme, but you I think you can't read this without seeing implications for the nation of Israel. Even the imagery of the fig tree and the vineyard where he's going to get to at the end of the chapter with the lament over Jerusalem, he's specifically seeking to warn the Jews. He's specifically seeking to warn the Israelites, hey, repent before it's too late. Um, And then even again, when you go back to the last chapter, Jesus is saying, hey, interpret the signs. And again, this wasn't an eschatological warning. In that case, it was, hey, look at what's going on right now. And really then the story that we get to with this woman with a disabling spirit, there's multiple things we see here again from the compassion of Jesus to the hypocrisy of uh, the religious leaders who acted like you couldn't heal someone on the Sabbath. But I think another reason, as one scholar pointed out well, is this is another example. Okay, we're going to give Israel more time to repent. Here's another sign. Are you going to listen now? And uh, some do. Uh, His adversaries were put to shame and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. And that's true. There's always going to be a mixed reaction to Jesus. And we see that kind of in the rest of the chapter. We see again the parable of the mustard seed and the leaven, which gives us the idea that the kingdom of God will expand and nothing will stop it. It might start small, but it will grow. But then that seems kind of juxtaposed against, um, then they ask Jesus, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And Jesus basically goes on to say, yeah. Uh, So how does that work? Is it this mustard seed that's going to grow and expand or only a few people going to get saved? Well, I don't think those ideas are mutually exclusive where we we do see it it will be, um, I think a minority of people that are saved, more of a remnant that are saved. But even that remnant, though it may be small, it will still be pervasive. 
And that's where even look at the last 2000 years, we have seen the kingdom of God expand all over the globe. Now, while the majority of people in the United States of America may claim to be Christians, are they actually born again? I would say, no, it sure doesn't look like that. But the kingdom of God has spread all over the known world, even though in most places it will be few who are saved. And there again, we we look at that warning where Jesus says then in response to that question, strive to enter through the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Now that's a bone chilling verse. What if that's me? What if I want to enter, but I am not able? Well, let's keep reading. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. Then you will say, we ate and drank in your presence and taught in, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that day, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first and some are first who will be last. And honestly, I think this story, again, highlights the necessity of repentance because you catch some of the more Jewish overtones towards the end where he's saying, hey, you people listening to me. You sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're going to see them on the inside while you're cast out. And there's going to be all kinds of other people, read Gentiles, that take part in the kingdom. Why is that? That they will take part in the kingdom and you won't. Well, repentance. Because being an Israelite doesn't save you. Repentance and faith in response to the gospel does. Uh, And and that's where when you say, well, what if I want to get saved, but I can't? That I don't think is the most helpful thought. God calls us to repent. Have you done that? And that's where I think some of this language, when it's describing those who want to enter but can't, I really think the Bible is talking about people who, yes, I would like to be saved. I would like to go to heaven, but no, I would not like to repent. And if that's you, then that's who I think this is talking about. I I want to be a Christian, so to speak. I want to go to heaven, but I do not want to give up my sin. I do not want to let that go. That is the warning I I think that we should see here. And, And then the chapter ends again. We see this call to repentance throughout the chapter, but really in this original context, so much of this is a call to the Jewish people to repent. And you see that lament at the end of the chapter. You see some interaction with people warning him about Herod, and you also see Jesus's determination to go to Jerusalem. You see, no, this is going to happen on Jesus's timetable, and he is going to do what the Father has commissioned him to do. But then there's this lament, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. So there is this lament that they have failed to repent. And while a lot of the then is focused on the Jewish people in this chapter, these principles really extend to all people everywhere. 
you need to repent or you will likewise perish. And many will seek to enter, but will not to be able because they do not repent. So repent before it is too late. That's a lesson we can learn from tragedy. That's a lesson we should see in Luke 13. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.